Welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete. And I'm his Lady of the Green, Diane. Lady of the Green. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, why would that be? What would we be talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about um, environmentalism because this Thursday marked the 80th birthday of David Suzuki. 80 years old. Yeah. Wow, that guy is obviously never going to retire. No, probably not. So we're going to get more into his life later, I assume? Yes, and just uh, some, you know, tips for those who would like to be a little bit more green without uh, maybe going too overboard. That's good. Yeah, I think the more people would take a, a green initiative if it was something very simple. Like, if it was easier to go green than it was to not go green, I think people would side on the green side, just by default. Like Absolutely. But uh, we'll get into that later. First, let's talk a little bit about what we did this week. Excellent idea. Can you think of anything that stood out? Um, well, actually, I was just thinking, I just finished up the last Izzy doll um, mm. that I wanted to complete. Um, these so are, tell them what an Izzy doll is. Yeah, these are... Um, basically just knitted dolls uh, in honor of Corporal Isfield, who uh, died while on a peacekeeping mission. And his mother started making them so that he would have something to hand out to uh, kids that he would see uh, in these war-torn countries that didn't have a toy. And he wanted to be able to give them something. So she would knit these dolls. Uh, They're made of wool and just uh, stuffed. Uh, So they're soft. They're not dangerous. They're easy to carry around. And he would distribute them. And the woman that took over the project uh, after this uh, mother uh, wanted to kind of band together more people. Uh, She did an interview in the newspaper in Ottawa where she lives and uh, wanted to get more people involved so they could potentially give them out to uh, the refugees coming. So that's how I found the pattern, and I decided I'd make, make a few of them and send them off. So how many did you make in total? I made 12. That's pretty good. I thought that was a good number. I actually made that number so I could have... Um, I made them with different colored faces mm. so they might match different regions and be a little multicultural. Well, good for you. Well, thanks. I I noticed that they don't seem to have a gender as well. They're gender neutral. Pretty gender neutral, yep. And you just use, you know, scraps of wool that you have lying around. I have tons of leftover balls of wool from various projects. So no real expense, just the stuff you already have and knit up the pattern. It's always good to give something back too. Now, while you were doing that, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the fun things we do is we do spend some time together and you're able to do that while we are watching some TV. So yes, this week we started a new series. We did. Um, We were big fans of the Parks and Rec uh, TV show. And so on Netflix, we noticed that The Office is available. So we gave that a little boot up. Some people say Parks is kind of a, I guess... uh, Copy. An homage or oh, an homage. A, a, okay. yeah, a ripoff of The Office sometimes. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see sort of what they compare it to. But, I mean, The Office also has roots in the U.K. as well. There's a U.K. show and yeah. then there's the American show. So we're watching the American one with yep. Steve Carell. Um, he's, he's okay. He's a little weird. Yeah, but I think we've realized that he's written to be like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean but, it's part of his personality too. A bit. Oh, oh definitely but his character. Definitely his character is. But if you've seen any of his movies, this is that's like his. That's what he always does. Hmm. He always is making those weird noises and just being very random. <laughs> um, don't generally find him that funny in general, but uh, with the cast, it's it's been pretty entertaining. We'll see I how agree. it goes. I agree. We're at season two. We'll see how this mm-hmm. plays out. I'm enjoying it. I always, friends would say, oh, have you seen The Office? And they turn on a random episode. And of course, you can't really get into a TV show off one episode in the middle of it's the so whole true. series. It's really hard. I really need to start from, doesn't have to start from the very beginning, but at least, you know, a starting point early on to see the progression and get to know the characters. Yeah. And really, you can't judge a TV show until you give at least a few episodes, I feel. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is kind of demanding a time commitment, but <laughs> I mean, I guess if uh, you're just a couple with no kids and you got some free time after work and you're doing other things like making dolls, it's it's pretty easy to fi- try out new series. Um, I do remember we went over to one of your friend's house and they were really into Arrested Development and they tried to get us into mm. that and they and they played yeah. one episode and and I just remember being so confused, but. You know, I'm sure they have a huge following as well. And if maybe we gave it a few episodes, we'd probably be really into it too. So it's just a matter of giving, I think, TV more than a movie, which is a very concentrated narrative. TV, you kind of have to let it breathe for a bit. And it makes me wonder how we ever watched TV shows before, because I guess it was kind of always that way. But you had to schedule yourself to watch it. Like you had to be committed to these shows. But it probably wasn't any different. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, old 80s, 90s uh, TV shows like The Cosby Show or Full House. Mm-hmm. I don't know, any of those. Frasier. Yeah. Cheers. Seinfeld. Seinfeld. It's almost always the same thing. You need to fall in love with the characters. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's the way TV's always been, I guess. But it seems like the new formula that Netflix has approached where you get like a whole season mm-hmm. up front is actually better for people to get into a TV series. Maybe. I would argue. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on our favorite TV shows. Oh my. <sighs> new topic. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so let's let's move to our actual topic. Cool. What are we calling this, D? I guess I wanted to call it like the environmentalism episode, although... So catchy. That's, yeah, well, bore. Um, <laughs> I guess I wanted it to be a mix of talking about David Suzuki because I really admire him as a, as a person and as a scientist, mm-hmm. um, but also give some tips on how people can incorporate some green initiatives into their lives very, very simply. Okay. So it's kind of a mix of those two things. Hmm. All right, I'm going to try to come up with a title. Keep going. Okay. Um, cool. Well, maybe we'll talk about when did do you remember when you first heard of David Suzuki or was he always just like uh, a person that existed? Uh, yeah. Forever because yeah. the nature of things has been going on well before I existed, I think. 30 something years, yeah. Okay, so pretty close. Mm-hmm. But uh I was always aware of him. I yeah. don't remember when he turned into a foundation, but I feel like that's been forever too. It was actually 1990, so it hasn't been forever. But oh, 1990 is a long time it's ago. Been honey. a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm born a couple of years before that, so, so that's, that's not forever. forever. <laughs> yes, it is. You're forever years old. Deal with it. Um, yeah, because I was trying to think of when I first 
like knew of him. And I think I just always knew of him. I feel like David Suzuki is synonymous with uh, Canadians and environmentalism. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how we define it. Yeah. And it surprises me. I believe it was one of my lab mates. And I said, David Suzuki. And he said, who's that? And I like fell on the floor. How do you not know who this person is? Yeah. This is a... Uh, the lab mate, is he or she Canadian-born? Um, I don't remember if he's born in Canada, but he was raised, grew up in Dubai. So okay, that so there you why. go, yeah. Because if you're in Canadian culture, I think, especially during the 90s and, yeah, more in the 90s when we had TV sets and you'd have basic mm-hmm. basic TV. It was, you know, we didn't have all cable and stuff. So there are certain... You know, with the CRTC, where which promotes that you need to have at least a certain amount of Canadian content on television, that would mean we would be exposed to David Suzuki amongst other Canadian programming growing up. Very true. So that's my theory on that. That is very interesting. Um, so we always kind of existed in my mind, but it was only maybe more recently, like when I was at university, that I really got to know him a little bit more. Okay. Um he put out this movie called Force of Nature. Yeah, I saw that. Um, saw that. Um, really good. And I guess I thought that movie would be about environmentalism and what he wanted to say about it and how he wanted to um, see it supported and grow. But it was a lot about him as a person growing up. cultural. Yeah. A lot of cultural things. And so I was really touched by that because I have this footage now that talks about a Japanese Canadian history in Canada, mm-hmm. um, which is my dad's family's history. Um, so it's a really important movie just in that sense for me as well. So wasn't that one of those fun fun facts where your your dad and David Suzuki were at the same camp at in World War II or I don't know if they were at the same camp, but they were both interned in yeah, British Columbia. In BC. Yeah. I don't okay. know if they were at the same one. Okay. Um, and Suzuki would be seven years older than yeah. your dad? So Suzuki might have had a better memory of that time period. Mm-hmm. My dad was born there and was pretty young. So I don't think he really remembers it mm-hmm. uh, fully. Um, but Suzuki may have had like a little bit more of a, a memory of what it was like. Yeah. And certainly a better memory of the moving that had to happen afterwards when they were sent to kind of rural areas mm-hmm. to farm. It's a crazy um, history, man. I don't know. I don't think that was ever talked about in our Canadian history, which I am really sad about because oh, I, yeah? didn't, I didn't learn about internment camps and all that. And I think it's not a very happy history for Canada. Huh. Um, and there's a lot of things that we've done wrong in the past, but I think much like we talk about the Holocaust and other horrible tragedies and war, this is something that should be spoken of in I had Canadian it. history. Okay. I had it in Canadian history. So maybe, so maybe there's been a revamp. Well, also, I I guess, uh, what was it? What grade? High school? Or? It was grade 10. Grade 10? Okay, yeah. so I would have been in a small town uh, high school at that time, so maybe they just didn't really, you know, sweat the cultural <laughs> stuff there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure they were following the same curriculum. Maybe it just wasn't all included. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was actually quite a avid history kid. I got a history award in grade eight. 
I had the best grades in history in grade eight. It was pretty amazing. Oh, and I well brought then. it into high school. I was, I was quite a history buff, actually. It's kind of crazy because I'm. So you definitely missed out on that then. Yeah, I don't think that, that came up. I think Canadian I would have remembered it because I remember everything about. Uh, we did do a lot of Aboriginal studies. Okay, that's good. I remember Tecumseh and all that. So maybe you did more like old, old Canadian history. Yeah. 18s and 19s. Grade 10, I remember, was like World War One and onward. So it was pretty detailed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was quite a detour. Let's get back. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, after his time uh, in the internment camps, he actually went on to get his PhD, mm-hmm. which is something I also found out later and greatly respected him for because I was looking into becoming a researcher as well. Um got his PhD, was working in the United States, and then came back to Canada and kind of got involved with a few causes and with kind of translating science for media and ended up being the host of The Nature of Things, which he still does. Mm -hmm. And uh, then going on to found the David Suzuki Foundation because they felt there was a need for someone to support this environmental cause absolutely and last year um he i don't know if this was the first year but he was doing a tour called the blue dot tour Mm -hmm. which we uh, attended and uh it's was designed mostly to bring awareness to green initiatives but also they were specifically trying to target government right yes so they were trying to get the government to make a clean environment law Mm -hmm. so that any other law that had to pass had to also pass the um the right of canadian citizens to have clean air clean water Mm -hmm. clean living and it's such a funny thing because you would think that would just be an obvious right like a human right Mm -hmm. um certainly within a uh developed nation that we would want our citizens to not live in uh, I don't know, post-apocalyptic situations here. With yeah. So you said clean water, clean air, and... Um, and I don't know if it was like land, like clean land. Oh, okay. That's part of it too. It's definitely water and air, those were... Water and air, just, I don't know. Like, that should be something we strive to do just as a hum- human. Uh, generally, yes, but we're big polluters. Yeah, we are. So we have to make it law. So can we transition now into how we can maybe better be humans and start Absolutely. doing some of these things? Yeah. I'd love to hear this. Um, yeah, I was trying some to think of, of just simple things that you can do every day because I feel like when someone says environmentalist, you can have this image of this person who runs around in like clothing made from fiber and they don't shower, they don't wear deodorant. And it's just (laughs) maybe not the ideal image that comes to mind. And also like, wow, that's a lot of work and effort. And I don't want to live like that. That looks awful. Yeah. And then people give up. So I wanted to come up with some things that were much simpler to adopt. Absolutely. Um, And I thought I'd start with, I think we grew up all learning about the three R's, Mm -hmm. um, which is reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd like categorize some things based on the three R's and maybe that okay. would make it easier to remember. Um, and I know a lot of people recycle and that's fantastic. Yeah. I also want to stress that check 
your recycling bin every once in a while and see what it is that you're recycling. This is something that I've picked up through reading some books and some blogs um, because we tend to just think, oh, I'm recycling. This is great. But there are ways that we can reduce and reuse and prevent things from having to be recycled in the first place. All right. I'm, I, are you I hear, I hear what you're saying, but I don't quite understand. So please expand on that. So, what, what could you be putting in the recycling bin that you shouldn't be putting in the recycling bin? No. That's, are you saying you're clarify. avoiding that step entirely by not getting stuff that needs to be recycled? Second point. Okay. Yeah. So... Basically, there's a lot of plastic that ends up in the recycling bin. And a lot of that plastic, though it can be recycled, it's recycled to a lower grade of plastic that will probably eventually end up in a landfill. Okay. So we're trying to avoid that step, I so guess. So do you have an example? Um, yeah, like plastic water bottles. Mm. Uh, we go through tons of those. And we have... Not us personally. But not us personally, but most people have access to clean water right out of the tap. Uh, yeah. Buy yourselves a reusable water bottle and use that instead. What about, um, did you read anything about those? I, I guess Brita is the biggest company, but there's yeah. many, many people who make those filters for water. Mm -hmm. are, are we in support of that as far as an environmental initiative? Um, so you can use your tap water and at least yep. filter it. And if it. you want, want filtered water, Brita is also good too because you can fill it up and leave it in the fridge. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who wants really cold water all the time mm -hmm. and feels like they have to run the tap for a minute before they get that nice cold water, mm -hmm. just have some in the fridge and then there you go. You're wasting less water. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like I, I've seen so many horrible images online of just landfills full of water bottles or just beaches full yep. of water bottles or even if you go to like a, a raptors or a baseball game and you just see there's just 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 junk all over the place and it's it's sad to me that people can look at that and just walk away and think well it'll get cleaned up and it just goes away it magically just disappears but everything has to go somewhere yep and all, all of those all of those somewhere. bottles instead of ending up in the recycling, like they should, mm -hmm. probably going to just get swept up and thrown into the landfill. Awesome. So another reason, I mean, it's hard at sports venues to bring in reusable bottles because they have safety. Yeah, they won't let you. Concerns. They won't um, let you. But just you know, don't don't litter. Like put it nicely away. Um, anyways, other things you can reduce: plastic bags. There's mm. tons of reusable bag options out there. Um, we kind of have a stash with us. I usually keep one in my backpack. So if I'm, you know, heading to the store uh, right after school, I already have a reusable bag in my backpack. I know my mom and dad leave some in their car. So they're always there, always uh, ready for use. And it just reduces using plastic bags all the time. Uh, another thing that we can reduce is food waste. Um, so we buy a lot of food. A lot of this can take a lot of energy to produce and transport. So if we can use all the food that we buy, that is excellent. A um, couple of strategies to do this. One, you can have a bin in the fridge that says, eat me first. Um, so anyone in your family knows that if they want a snack or something quick to eat, they can look in that bin so they can use up the food that might be spoiling more quickly or that's a vegetable. Um, another strategy that I really like is if you buy something like a broccoli or a pepper or carrots, 
if you take that and while you're making dinner, you cut up the rest of it right away and leave it in a nice little like snack bag or in a bowl on the table. I feel like people, when they see already cut up vegetables or fruit that's ready to eat, they'll just dive right in and eat it up. That's very true for me. And this yeah. goes back to my other point again. It's like if it's easier, people will do it. And mm-hmm. that's always a thing. But that's requiring you to take the initiative to make it easier for everyone else in your family. It's true, which is why I try and say, you know, when you're making dinner and a stir fry and you're only going to use half the broccoli while Mm. the rest is cooking, just chop up the other half. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that's the way I get around it because, yes, it's a lot of work to go back in afterwards and chop up. I feel like if you do it all at once. Yeah, and that helps me eat more broccoli too. Yeah, it's great. Then you get more (laughs) vegetables. It's so exciting. Um, I do remember when we were teenagers the three boys and uh-huh. in the household it, it was there was definitely some experimenting going on with my mom about how to make us eat some things more than others and okay. i think she started to find the spots to put things okay. where, where we would grab them oh. so like for example if i think if fruit was in a bowl uh-huh. on a counter yep. it would get eaten but okay. if it was in the drawer in the crisper we no. wouldn't find it yeah that sounds so it's about like right you sort of start to learn your family's Mm-hmm. habits but you're absolutely right accessibility really is how you make things happen yeah so make work, it easier. work with it make it easier and reduce your food waste because when you have three boys they're gonna eat everything oh yeah so you might as well make it available to them mm-hmm. and go for it um couple more things i'll talk about in terms of reducing reduce packaging uh so just consciously think when you're buying an item If you can, buy the item with the least amount of packaging or the one that has the most recyclable packaging, if possible. Um, A cool way to do this is with, certainly with like fruits and vegetables, is go to a farmer's market if it's nearby. Mm. Um, They tend to stock their veggies in maybe a little basket. They'll empty the basket into your reusable bag and they'll keep the basket to use again. Um, So that's a cool way of trying to reduce some packaging because I know when you go to the grocery store, you can buy, apparently now you can buy peeled oranges or peeled and mm. preserved avocado yeah I heard halves. About the avocado. did you hear about that and it's yeah. like in this plastic packaging already cut up ready to go it's, it's like it's really horrible man Anyways. i don't get it <laughs> i don't know what's happened to like, us yeah i don't just one so much packaging two you just cut yeah. an avocado in yeah. half. Like, well, how much time did that save you? Yeah. You might spend more time taking the thing out Opening of the, the package. Opening the package and trying not to destroy the avocado <laughs> Especially if it's like, you know, those children's toys where yeah, it takes, like, yeah. super-powered scissors to open them. Well, and there's twist just, tags everywhere. You're going to make, like, like, guacamole? Like, you don't need a perfectly halved <laughs> avocado. I don't no, know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I don't know Anyways, what's happening to this world. Try and avoid packaging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and lastly... Uh, reducing disposable things. Um, something that comes to mind is dryer sheets. We don't use those anymore. I have those um, reusable static cloths, and I also have the dryer dryer balls that help to speed up drying and reduce static. Um, and the other one is things like paper towel, plastic wrap, cutlery even, um, Try neither reuse them, don't use them all, don't use them at all, have some rags on hand, mm-hmm. containers. I don't know, thoughts on this? It's starting to feel like a school lecture. Oh, 
Well, these are these true. are just suggestions for ways uh, that you can reduce things. I do know. I will give my opinion, and since yeah, I've, I've lived with you, um, I know that at first, like when we eliminated plastic wrap, that yep. certainly seemed like whoa. How can how can we ever live without this? But I mean, it's been a few years. We've lived together now, and uh-huh. I don't even think about it anymore. Like I don't either. It's just as easy to have a container and Mm -hmm. especially if you have really good like cooking uh dishware that already Mm -hmm. has a lid Mm -hmm. it's actually really simple to just stick the whole thing in the fridge like why make five steps like it's very simple granted there's only two of us i don't know if it would be different our fridge is almost always empty i i visited some friends um a few guys that live together in a house and there's like, there's not a spot in the fridge for oh, anything. Yeah? So I don't know what they would even do with leftovers. Like there's nowhere to put it. But with us, we have like a giant fridge. It's just always a, lots of room. Mm-hmm. It's always tons of room to put things in. <laughs> so obviously there will be challenges for everyone's household. I yes. guess it's just the messages. Uh, every little bit does help. And I think once you just start doing something, much like anything else that's challenging, it'll eventually get easier. Cool. Sounds good. I don't want to make this like, you must do this. I'm just offering suggestions on ways that you can do it. Well, if you are a parent and you have a mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. that should be motivation enough because it's certainly been scary for me in the last, we'll say even 20 years, how much I've noticed the weather has changed, how much mm. it seems like uh, there aren't as many... I don't know, trees and or nice areas to just walk or, wow, there's a lot more cars on the road. Wow, yeah. it takes a long time to get anywhere. Yeah. Like I remember first learning to drive and, and it was like a car commercial where you were just mm-hmm. driving on a road and there was no one there. Uh-huh. And I know that everyone is like, well, yeah, it's just a shame there's not more space for me to drive. But I mean, every driver needs to remember that the reason there's so many people on the road is you're part of the problem. Like whenever someone's in traffic and going like, oh, why are there so many cars here? It's like, well, you're one of them. Yeah. So like if everyone was uh, contributing to uh, taking a bus instead, so there's 20 people in one car or at least doing the carpool, like we could start to break down, not break down, bring down uh, some of our traffic. But I mean, it's so hard with us as a collective. We're not... We're not on the same page on this. I think we have too much of an individualistic attitude. And that's the part where I'm not sure how we're going to see this greater thing. And this is why I do, this is why I do support Suzuki because he's going after government. And I think government is the best way to start making things more like a process, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, if think, say what you will about government, but I mean, they at least set processes. So if there is a process that is hopefully not too difficult to follow, then maybe things will get better. And maybe the process will wipe out these packaged half avocados because <laughs> we don't need them. They're not something that's important to us. And if they weren't available, we'd never be like, man, I wish I had a half avocado that was packaged. If we had our toys not in 50-pound industrial twist tags. <laughs> wrapped in three pieces of plastic. I don't think we would miss them if they weren't like that. So I, I think there is something to be said that if we change the process from, like, the top, we would see some improvements right right there. It'd be easier almost. Mm-hmm. 
you have to go from go- for go- from government for some things. Like if we want to improve public transit, mm-hmm. we as individuals cannot suddenly fund a new public transit no. plan that has to come from, from higher powers. But it is good that you've at least brought up some ideas for the individual, what you can do as your mm-hmm. own self. Yeah. Yeah, and if you have kids again, like it's good to to do this because then your children will grow up with that knowledge, with that idea. Mm-hmm. That will be their normal. Because the worst thing we can do is say, I'm not causing that much of a problem and I'm only one person because then if everyone's doing that, we're all causing that problem to a a degree, a percentage, and it all adds up. I think you have to look at it from the other perspective is I'm one person, I'm going to make these small changes and that's going to help Yeah. rather than think, oh, it's not going to do anything. Well, what's your opinion on this? Because it's, it's always a little bit disheartening because I'm sure you run into these people because I do as well. And it tends to be people who are a little bit more well off where mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's not my problem. I spend money and I have mm-hmm. my conveniences. Yep. It's not my problem. Let other people deal with it. Mm-hmm. So just as much as you might be the person that's like, I'm going to make my little effort, there could be yep. someone who's doubling down on making it worse. Mm-hmm. How do I feel about them? Yeah, what what, what are we supposed to do about that, right? <laughs> it's very hard to um, change someone's mind when they're very set in their ways and they mm-hmm. have their conveniences and it's so, this is the way I do things, why are you trying to change things? And mm-hmm. I try and just present my ideas as because most of the things that I've adopted, I've adopted them and I like them way better. Um, so you actually think they're better than the alternative? I actually think they're better than the alternative. And I try to tell people that. Like, I don't use commercial shampoo or conditioner anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my hair is way less greasy. I feel like I have to wash it way less. And it's super soft and looks hmm. awesome. So when I tell that to someone, I was just doing this this week in the lab, and they were like, I have to wash my hair every day because it's so greasy. I'm like, stop using shampoo. It's got these harsh detergents in it that make your scalp produce extra oil. I'm like, I just wash my hair with soap or a shampoo bar um, and I rinse with vinegar, like diluted, very diluted vinegar. And this is the way my hair looks. And she's looking at my hair like, well, when did you last wash your hair? I'm like, two days ago. And she was kind of like, I can't do that. And I'm like, yes, you can. (laughs) Okay, now you are starting to sound like a hippie. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But there's just little... (laughs) know things like dryer sheets now smell too strong to me yeah 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 there's a lot of stuff that i don't think we need in our daily lives for sure i mean i try and do like i try and do things and make those changes just myself like i'm not gonna make you stop using things Mm -hmm. that's good and force you to stop using shampoo and toothpaste just because i don't toothpaste i use my own stuff yeah which, that's my choice. I'm not going to force that on you. Yeah, that toothpaste so. is weird. That's weird stuff. See, I know. You think it's weird, and I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> this is where we differ, and yeah. this is where I feel, you know, I'm just making the changes for myself, and I feel good about them. I don't, yeah. I don't think, like, I don't think I smell like a rotten tomato all the time. <laughs> no, you smell like a rotten pear. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to do anything that, like jeopardizes how much you adore me but again so i just don't know what to say to that person who's like well i like to wash my car in oil and Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) 
Well, you can offer. <laughs> wash it down the drain and throw some Drano in it. And oh, I see. I just hit a bunch of baby you know, seals and with just baseball bats, and I don't know. That's educate them and try not to come at them with a judgmental eye. Like I try not to. I don't judge people. I just say I use this, and this is what it looks like. Let them make their own decisions. Let them do their own research. This yeah. is what's happening. I mean, do they do they have children or offspring or just an investment in the world that follows them at all? Or are mm-hmm. they just totally self-absorbed? Yeah, people. See, so this is this is where I disagree because I, I I don't think we're ever going to get, and I don't think people should just necessarily go in the direction you're going completely. Like, I can understand why everyone likes their products and likes mm-hmm. their things. I think that the whole industry needs to change around it. Okay. Like, the food industry right now is is in a colossally bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everything we're eating is just, it's disgusting, and it's it's bad for us. Even our, like, our, our vegetables that we get in a supermarket are just covered in pesticides. They're, they're not good for us. So if, even if you're trying to make an effort to uh, better yourself, mm-hmm. you're still stuck with what is available to you. Yeah. Now you can say go to your farmer's market or go find your... Or buy the organic produce. The organic food bags that we get and things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's great. But I think there's fundamentally a problem with the way our system is running that we have to look so hard to find these alternatives. It would just be nice mm-hmm. if us as a human species were a little bit, you know, better to ourselves. Like why why does this exist? Why are we creating so many problems for ourselves. Why are we okay with that? But how do you change that attitude? Well, that attitude has to be a collective change. Okay, but that who starts to, the collective change? I don't know. This is, a, this is a weird thing about the human species. And if you look at uh, decade to decade, mm-hmm. the attitudes and the way people were, like how did we suddenly decide, okay, it's okay for women to vote? Like There was just a collective mm-hmm. change. Yeah, but it had when to did we start decide... with a couple of people with an idea. This yeah. is what they wanted to do and change it. So you have to start kind of small and make your changes sure. as you go. It's just interesting how eventually later uh-huh. you ask someone now and it's like, well, yeah, of course. Yes. Of course women can vote. Why? That's stupid. Uh-huh. Why would we ever think that? Uh-huh. And it's it's pretty crazy thought to me to think that maybe 20 years from now everyone will be like, yeah, why why are we using gas-powered cars? Mm-hmm. No one uses gas-powered cars. That's stupid. <laughs> That's so terrible for our environment. And mm-hmm. It's just consuming a resource. It's almost gone. Yep. Well, we're going to have to start the collective change somewhere. So I like to start the change in myself and then move it towards other people. Yeah, it's just... I just... guess the old way of doing it, like mm-hmm. protests and... Uh, I don't know, however else they got... I guess they went to government, but it's like... It, it doesn't seem like that works anymore. I don't know what we need to change it because people are not like. Do you remember when uh, Al Gore released that movie? Yep, an inconvenient truth. That was a long time ago. Yep. And I don't know. I saw it. I was like, wow, that's this is a this is a serious issue. I mm-hmm. hope we're going to deal with that. That's like ten years ago now, right? Oh, probably yeah, more than that. Fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. hmm, nothing has changed. People are still doubting that global warming is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a part of the politics now. The U.S. government, oh my goodness, they might elect Donald Trump to be their president, and yeah, that's really going to help any kind of collective per- pursuit for environmentalism. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
this is scary. I don't know. I think that we've been stuck in this weird rut mm-hmm. for a long time and that we've stopped progressing as a species. It's, it's really frightening. I went on a little rant there, but... You did. I feel like we're lacking in positivity about this now. And people are just like, oh, this sucks. And then they're just going to go sit there and not make any changes to themselves. <laughs> That's why I feel like yeah. what I do and the changes I make is just, you know, a small step towards showing that we can live better. Yeah. And just, you know, so yes. We should, so you should take positive feelings and the fact that there are at least options. Yes. That you could find a vegetable food bag that isn't covered in pesticides these options do exist it's just unfortunately right now you can't count on the system to do it exactly and that's when you do sound like a hippie well thank you (laughs) i'm gonna take that and roll with it i hope i don't consider that a bad thing i uh like my changes and what i'm doing so i'm just gonna roll with them and you know what you'll just have to deal with it i try and do it in a pleasant manner absolutely so take that Take that. <laughs> I'm generally a pretty positive person, so I always try and see the positive amidst the despair that can be out there. Yeah. Because I, I can't live with just thinking everything's in despair all the time. All right. Well, if, you, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're part mm-hmm. of a group that is trying to push government to, for change or is creating some kind of new movement. Um, I know we support the David Suzuki Foundation. They're a great foundation that is mm-hmm. working on that right now. I welcome other people who are like-minded and who have listened to us to also follow that and check out their Blue Dot tours and other avenues that they're doing. Um, feel free to write in to us and let us know about some initiatives that you've done. That'd be great. Uh, and we'd be happy to share them with our audience. Our email is ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? How how can we better ourselves? I don't know. I think I gave some some simple suggestions. And if you're curious, just go on the internet and Google. If you have a thought, do you have something that you're like, I wonder if I can reuse this or recycle it? Just Google it. See what other people are doing. Yeah. And if you can't, it has to go in the garbage. So it has to go in the garbage. Don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And I'm sorry if, it's, if I came off as negative because actually I do believe... I do believe in 20 years our world is going to be different because eventually there's going to be a tipping point where mm-hmm. this reality can't be ignored anymore. Yep. And there is already advancements. Like you mentioned Google. It's like they're already making self-driving cars, self-driving mm-hmm. electric cars. Like there's mm-hmm. already movements that are more pro-environmental. Um, there's a lot of companies that are pushing environmental things because it uh, makes your company look better too, right? Like, forgive me, I'm not trying to sound like a defeatist. Yeah. What I'm really trying to say is us as a collective, I'm not feeling like we're getting there yet. And I'm actually urging that more people should start thinking this way. Like, we need to, as a human species, redeem ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let's start paying attention to these, you know, these few little ideas you came up with. They're very simple. And it just starts somewhere, but we need to start now is what I'm thinking. Absolutely. There is a sense of urgency about it. We do need to start thinking about this before we kind of hit the crisis point Mm -hmm. and we can't go back. Like, absolutely, we need to start thinking about that. And that resonates in things like the inconvenient truth, in things like the force of nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So absolutely. I don't know how we jumpstart people. I don't like making people feel like 
nervous about it or like worried. I just want them to start making changes now. So I feel like, I don't know what, what the best way is to do that other than to maybe promote small changes in everyone. Yeah. And seeing how that can kind of build a movement. I think that's what the blue dot tour was. It was building a movement from the grassroots, from the people. So let's build this movement. Sounds let's like a good turn plan. It from an ordinary day to a, a better day. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can look up, you know, the blue dot tour, David Suzuki foundation, or again, just, you know, go on the internet and see what other people are doing. Yeah. And if you, again, are doing something cool, please let us know. Absolutely. Ordinary day podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our website at ordinaryday.ca. Yes. And we'd also like to say thank you to field processor for our intro and outro music. Um, and for making our podcast sound good. Awesome. So let's take what we've heard today as inspiration, not as a judgment. Sounds good. Right? We're all, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's drive this movement together. Very nice. And take one more for the road. Yeah!